Hi, and thanks for listening to the Turtle Talks podcast, a podcast which will cover the comings and goings of the Happy Dancing Turtle Garden crew through the upcoming year. We'll cover topics ranging from planning your garden to putting your garden to bed. Now, to learn more about us, go to happydancingturtle.org. Now, let's get started. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Turtle Talks with the Garden Crew. Uh, my name is Colin McLean, and uh, I'm joined here with Jim Chamberlain. For those that don't know, um, next month, we uh, Happy Dancing Turtle will be hosting its 13th annual uh, Back to Basics, which is going to take place Saturday, February 2nd at the Pine River Backus High School. Man, there's going to be 45 workshops. There's a giant vendor fair. Some of the uh, sustainable vendors that have been there have uh, been food co-ops. There's craft sales, jams, jellies mushroom starters, clothing, uh, lots and lots of varieties. So uh, if you want to check out more, you can go to happydancingturtle.org and we have tons of information for it there. But in addition to all that fun stuff for the workshops and the vendor for, we've had some great keynote speakers. Some notable ones have been uh, Tom Fisher uh, from the University of Minnesota School of Design, uh, Charles Marone from Strong Towns, Winona Duke, Tom Hansen from the owner of Duluth Grill, we're really proud of the quality of keynote speakers that we bring to uh, bring to the event, uh, and this year is no uh, no difference. Um, on the phone right now, uh, is, who's calling in is this year's keynote speaker, Kent Solberg. Hi, Kent. Thanks for calling in. Hello there. How are you today, Colin? <laughs> doing good. Doing good. Now, Kent is the uh, livestock and grazing specialist for the uh, Sustainable Farming Association here in Minnesota. M- maybe first things first, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you do, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, what you uh, will talk about at the uh, event, and then maybe we can talk a little bit more uh, in depth as we move along. Sure, Colin. Uh, as the livestock and grazing specialist with Sustainable Farming Association, uh, I play a number of roles. Um, a big role in the last few years has been helping people integrate livestock uh, into cropping systems and to become better managers of using grazing animals on their pasture. And uh, there's a, more and more research coming out about the value of integration of livestock when it pertains to building healthy soils. And so that's kind of a niche uh, we've been filling uh, in SFA. Uh, SFA has been around for oh, about 28 years now. Uh, it's a farmer-to-farmer educational network, a, a nonprofit in Minnesota. One of our big focuses has been on soil health. We've really uh, uh, built some great partnerships and collaboration with a number of groups to, to help move that forward and advance that in Minnesota. And so I spend a lot of time on that. People sometimes get a little confused as to why a livestock and grazing specialist is spending some time, so much time on something like soil health because a lot of people think that's an agronomic uh, sort of thing more than an animal husbandry sort of thing. But, um, you know, in nature, um, animals are definitely part of uh, all of our ecosystems. And uh, we found that uh, when we bring livestock into either a cropping system, even a garden system or a pasture system, um, great things can happen, and that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about at Back to Basics. On a daily basis, um, I do everything from consulting with individual farms to helping build programming and workshops and field days. Uh, we just finished a, a workshop series across Minnesota here in December. We're working on some more here for January and February and, and even planning well and uh, already into uh 
the upcoming summer. Um, winter's just a great time for conferences, and we try and take advantage of all those opportunities to get the word out on soil health. Right, right. They say the only uh, free time that a farmer has is in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it that, seems like it. But that's, I mean, just going from what you said, though, it's, it seems like you're extremely busy spreading the, the gospel, so to speak, of soil health. <laughs> so, um, and, and that's kind of what you're talking about in uh, what, you, what your title here is at the Back to Basics um, speech here. Uh, it's called Soil Health, the Future of Farming. Maybe you could uh, talk a little bit about what you hope to uh, pass on during your speech. Yeah, we're going to be looking at a number of things. Uh, the first is just what is soil health? It's kind of become a buzzword uh, in agriculture and, and even for smaller scale operators and gardening. And we want to spend some time fleshing that out so people understand uh, what it is. Um, sometimes it gets, gets confused with things like soil fertility, and sometimes people put boundaries on it. So we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about if soil health can really be the basis of our entire food system. Uh, and, and a lot of people ask, well, can't we just farm organically and have soil health? And we're going to look at that, too. Uh, there's some interesting things uh, coming out there um, that I think people will find intriguing. Uh, and and can we save family farms? If you've been paying attention at all to what's going on uh, in rural America in the last two years, um, farms, most small and mid-sized farms are, are really struggling. Commodity prices are low for multiple years here. Uh, we're five years into low grain prices. We're three years into low milk prices. Feed prices have even dropped. Um, there's really a struggle out there. And I think most people in America would, would like to see family-sized farms stick around. And can soil health at least be part of the answer, if, if not the basis of production? We'll explore that uh, also. And then what does soil health mean uh, to the future of our food system and even our natural resources? Or does it have anything to do uh, with our natural resources? Are there ecological services that healthy soil can provide? So we'll be touching on each of those uh, in the time we have and hopefully spur some interest uh, uh, and give people maybe some tips they can take home and use or at least things they can look for uh, if they're a consumer and uh, want to make sure their purchasing dollar uh, is going in a direction that matches their values. I know that you're a very busy person um, and that uh, your role at SFA keeps you going all the time and you have your farm that you run as well. Um, maybe you could just walk us through a typical week and, and um, you know, maybe what do you see at farms when you're out touring around and, and doing workshops and seminars and field days? Um, what What's the progress out there? 
how are things moving in the soil health realm and sustainable agriculture? Yeah, is there any hope is what he means. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, uh, well, first of all, there is no typical week. <laughs> I wish there was something. Well, you didn't um, get into it for a nine to five, I suppose. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, it depends on the week. Um, if yeah, A lot of times we will cluster uh, a number of workshops in the week, so it'll be a full week uh, or more of being on the road uh, and hitting different spots uh, with those workshops. Um, so those are quite quite crazy. Um, my wife Linda's uh, my farming partner and really keeps a lid on things uh, here on the farm so I can get away and do this. There's just no way it would happen uh, without uh, that level of help. And sure. uh, she, she's totally committed um, to all of this stuff, uh, which is which is huge. Um, uh, other weeks, uh, I may be visiting uh, with individual farms, either on their farm or uh, via email or via phone, uh, whatever works, whatever we need to do. Um, and it, it, it's usually soil health-related questions or how do I move into grazing or I'm transitioning to organic. How do I, especially the livestock piece, how do I incorporate all that into what I'm doing? Um, questions like that, uh, or down to things like, uh, I'm interested in learning more about cover crops. We can have lengthy discussions about that at times. Um, and then it's, and then it's, uh, planning, uh, for the next series of events. Oftentimes, uh, we spend quite a bit of time putting together our annual conference, uh, the Midwest oil health summit, our dirt rich, uh, uh, professional enhancement workshops in the summer. Um, plus, we're, we're often getting asked to speak uh, at other workshops or in conjunction um, with entities like NRCS or the uh, University of Minnesota Extension. Uh, and then on top of that, um, there's, there's always the grant writing. We are a nonprofit, and we tend to live and die in the grant world. And so there's, there's kind of this perpetual uh, grant writing that needs to go on to keep the doors open. Uh, and then more recently, um, we've been getting asked more and more to be on in an advisory role um, with uh, a whole host of entities, um, a lot of them in the research world with both uh, 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 academic institutions under the University of Minnesota and with Minnesota State, um, serving as an advisory or consulting task capacity. We are involved uh, on any given year on a number of um, research projects uh, related to soil health and grazing management. Um, we just submitted a, a slew of grant proposals here last month, uh, all associated with that. So, um, yeah, at any time, it just depends on the day, and oftentimes I'm switching hats throughout the day uh, just to get through it. But uh, um, I'm kind of it uh, for, for Minnesota, so... We go, I, I've been all the way up by Lake of the Woods working with producers and all the way down to where the uh, end of the driveway of one producer I was working with was the Minnesota-Iowa border. So uh, <laughs> we, we cover the whole thing. I, I, I get a lot of windshield time. Right. And through that, it kind of gives me an, an, an assessment of what's going on out there. And it's, it's still disappointing. You know, now we've got snow cover in Minnesota. It's a little, it's a little tough to see, but we're, you know, we're, 
there was a lot of fall plowing that didn't get done this year, and that's kind of a blessing because the snow is probably going to stay in the field instead of on the highway mm-hmm. uh, in many situations because there's stubble out there, corn stubble out there. So, you know, that, that's a good thing from a public safety standpoint. Um, and from a soil health standpoint, keeping the soil covered is, is a, one of the main principles of, of building healthy soil. But I, 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 and, I, and I do see some cover crops, and I do see a little bit more every year. Um, unfortunately, there's some years I can drive six, seven hours a day and not see, you know, a managed pasture system where there's managed grazing. Or I may not see even a single cover crop out there, and that's pretty disappointing. Mm-hmm. But at the flip side of that is, is I go to meetings, and there are now clusters of producers forming who have been heading down this soil health path that are, are very much becoming uh, other co-evangelists in moving this whole soil health thing forward. Um, uh, they're so excited about it, and, and they want to work with their peers. They want to mentor and coach their peers. They want to help put on field days and workshops. Um, they're just super enthusiastic about it. Some of them are on soil and water boards, uh, serving as county commissioners. So they're trying to get into levels of influence uh, to encourage people to do this. And we find that when we get a cluster of about three or four producers together that have been doing this for about four to six years, they're really starting to see results. And they're really getting excited, and they know they're not alone out there. They know there's somebody just down the road doing it too, and they kind of feed off each other. And it's interesting. You get them in front of a group, and almost universally, one of the things they say is, we wish we would have started sooner. <laughs> and there's a lot of cultural pushback right now on some of this stuff, but, but these producers out there doing it, that are actually doing it and seeing tangible results, are saying, oh my gosh, our biggest mistake was not starting sooner. And we were just afraid. We were afraid of the risk. We were afraid of the ridicule. We were afraid of uh, a, a whole bunch of things. Just change, because it does require change. It is a paradigm shift in agriculture. We do not have a culture of doing this in, in rural America. But there is a growing paradigm shift showing that it's there. Two years ago, if you would ask me, I would have told you I felt like I'm pushing a rope up a hill. Now there's days I feel like I'm chasing a snowball downhill. And as a snowball rolls downhill, it gets what? It tends to get bigger and it tends to go faster. And and I say that as an analogy um, to illustrate that uh, I, I think there is hope out there. Will everybody change? I don't know. You know, there's, there's so many factors out there. I, I learned uh, from a gentleman by the name of Dave Pratt here a few weeks ago uh, an interesting analogy about uh, soil health or could be used to soil health. It's kind of like water skiing. You know, it's uh, you can't go full throttle or half throttle on the boat or real slow and get up on the skis and make it work. You know, at best you're going to get a mouth and nose full of water and you won't be able to hang on to the tow rope. Um, to really make water skiing work, the throttle on that boat's got to be thrown all the way forward. That's how you get up on the skis. Yeah, it, it, you've got to get your legs under you. There's a little bit of work there. But the faster you throw that throttle forward and you get up on those skis, the more successful you're going to be. And that's scary for people. And if you've ever been water skiing, I think you can understand and appreciate uh, appreciate that kind of analogy. Yep, face full of water. Yep, <laughs> every time. <laughs> <clears throat> 
you're mentioning that there is progress being made, and you made the analogy that there is, uh, it's likening that it's, it's, it's a snowballing downhill that's just getting bigger and bigger. Um, that kind of, I guess that would mean that you think that soil health is the way to go. It seems like you're pretty confident in, in, in following soil health practices that that's, um, well, you know, that that's the answer. How confident are you? Confident enough to stake my career and reputation on it. <laughs> um, really. Um, uh, I spent over 20 years looking for an answer to um, does conservation have to be on one side of the fence and agriculture on the other side? And, and, and is it possible that both can happen on the same acre of ground? In other words, can we have productive agriculture in a conservation system not, that does not need to be propped up with a bunch of subsidies or set aside, but actually working land that's productive and profitable for, for producers? And the principles of soil health have been demonstrated literally across the globe now. Um, they work in anywhere agriculture is being practiced. Um, uh, people can say, well, you just don't know my farm, you just don't know my soil. Yes, there are nuances and difference to each farm, but the principles hold. And they hold so incredibly well that farms that are, were struggling to be profitable are now profitable. Farms that were on the verge of going under financially are now viable operations. It's kind of sad, you know, in the 70s, in agriculture, farmers were told to specialize uh, or, or, or get out, you know, basically, mm -hmm. and yeah. get big if you did that. And it kind of paints you in a corner, you know, uh, a little bit. Um, soil health diversity is a key point of that. When we bring that diversity back, when we start looking outside of um, just being, for example, uh, a dairy operation or just being a hog operation or just being a corn and soybean producer, Yes, that's very efficient, but it may not be very profitable. As we see producers who are moving down this soil health path, you know, they say it, it, it makes farming more interesting, it makes us more profitable, it's less stressful, we're better able to handle um, uh, changes in the weather from either too dry to too wet, uh, uh, the water is running, the springs are working again, the water's cleaner, the water's not running off the property anymore. Um, we're just happier in what we're doing. I mean, on and on and on the list goes. Uh, the opportunities there. Uh, yeah, even the big, the big, big operators that most people would dub as factory farms um, are, are actually, some of them are becoming leaders uh, in the soil health piece. And that's absolutely huge. That's what we need is, is leadership in individual communities. Deeper than my mind Sees farther than my eyes Ooh, ooh, ooh. My heart Hears better than my ears Pieces you draw Forgets, so fill my heart. Fill my heart. 
Fill my bones Fill my brain Let us have a life that never forgets So, um, we've been doing this for about a year now, and um, we've kind of, we think our audience is kind of, we think our audience is geared uh, towards gardeners, small farmers, pe- people of, yep. of the doing that. Um, now, we've talked about soil health in the past, um, and we've seen that these soil health practices can be utilized in smaller farms and, and, and gardens. However, um, are, do you think it can be scaled up to the larger farms, to even industrial enterprises? Uh, and if so, um, what would be the implications? What would happen once that, if that were to happen? Uh, well, the implications are it would be a dream come true, and I'd be out of a job, and that'd be the greatest accomplishment of my life. <laughs> um, seriously, I mean, if I could work myself out of a job and others of us who do this stuff, and we could go just back to being farmers practicing this stuff, um, wow, wouldn't that be incredible? It would That'd be, be just phenomenal. The natural resource implications would be absolutely huge. Um, we'd see water getting cleaner. We'd see... Uh, uh, you know, nutrients being cycled correctly. I think people would appreciate driving in the country again. You know, instead of seeing just black dirt for seven months out of the year, uh, it it, it would be more of a pastoral uh, looking thing. Now, some people may scoff at that and think that's too idyllic, but, you know, we know integrating livestock is the accelerator that moves this soil health thing forward at a very rapid pace. And, you know, at one point in time, these animals that are now in barns 24-7 uh, used to live outside. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it is possible, you know. Cattle, for example, come with four-wheel drive and a harvesting machine in one end and a manure spreader on the other. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's just an issue of management. And and uh, we got to have the willingness to do it and got to want to do it. And and, uh, you know, I think we're seeing the early stages of some progress um, that direction. I think it would be absolutely huge. Now, that's kind of a utopian dream. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, is that totally possible? I don't know. May not see it in my lifetime. You know, it totally depends on uh, the cultural piece being the biggest driver um, to that. Uh, my, one of my concerns is, is, uh, is it too little too late? Are we too late? For some farms, it is. Um, um, I've been called on to farms where uh, if they would have talked to us even two years before, I think there would have been a fighting chance to keep them around uh, today, but they're basically done yeah. um, now, which is really a tragedy. It's a tragedy for that family. It's a tragedy for our rural communities. It's a tragedy, I think, for society as a whole. Um, so, yeah, uh, cleaner water, clean air, healthy rural communities, who can argue with that? Kent, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to us about about uh, what you're doing over at the SFA and and what seems to be uh, like uh, forward progress that is being made in the terms of soil health. Uh, it's really <laughs> it's really encouraging to hear what you have to say. So uh, thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thanks, Kent. We'll see everyone on February second. Great. Awesome. Let's make our soil great again. <laughs> Uh, if, thank you for listening to uh, this episode. If you have any questions, please uh, let us know. Um, email us at info at happydancingturtle.org. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Take care. Excellent. Thank you. Bye. All right, Kent. Take care. Thanks, Kent.
We could be shameless.